You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 3, Episode 38, as Andy is back, and I have a lot of questions for him. About New York Rangers hockey, about the Olympics, about, you know, just, you know, the trade deadline coming up. I mean, there's a lot happening around the NHL and just the game of hockey, period. So, uh, you know, we're going to get all Andy's takes on everything and uh, we're going to have a fun little podcast here. So first, I guess I got to ask Andy, how are you doing? Got to be honest, James, I'm actually I'm a little peeved right now. I've been uh, (laughs) I've been. On Twitter, as I do in my morning roundup of hockey news, and I see reports coming out of Rangers practice. They're about to board a plane to play the Ottawa Senators uh, at home, or excuse me, in, in Ottawa. And it appears that Zach Jones has been moved off of the third pairing with Braden Schneider, and Patrick Nemeth is back in that slot. Uh, as we know, Patrick Nemeth is still on IR. But he, it's retroactive, so they can take him off at any time. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of accounts and reports of what's going on with him. He's had, obviously, the Rangers have always been very tight-lipped for years. And I think under Chris Drury, they're even more tight-lipped because Gordon at least tried to be pan- transparent, even though the Rangers have kind of prided themselves on being one of the more tight-lipped organizations. So, And Gallant's the same way. He's not an overshare anyway. So we don't know what's going on, but you assume... I think I forget who it was. Maybe it was Larry saying that Nemes was dealing with uh, lingering COVID related issues. But uh, yeah, I was loving the Zach Jones and, and Braden Schneider pair and their the underlying numbers for that pair have been great. Obviously, they, they got kind of unlucky on a, a puck basically kind of going off of uh, Zach Jones skate and he had a little bit of a screen. Um, and the, when they had the breakdown in their first goal in uh, when they played Detroit the other night. Uh, so you hope that's not the reason or it's just the Rangers galaxy braining themselves into thinking that just, you know, it's not going to work with the smaller defenseman. And who knows, Zach, that doesn't mean Nemeth is necessarily going. Maybe it's just to see where he's at. That doesn't necessarily mean he will play. Um, but I mean, you know, you obviously would be happy if Nemeth is is feeling better after everything he, what he's going through behind the scenes but i gotta be honest i'm uh just disappointing to think that they might the rangers uh and gallant and the coaching staff might 
with that pairing up, even though they've been extremely good for such a uh, an inexperienced pairing. So yeah, like I said, I'm kind of kind of peeved. I might be reading the tea leaves a little too literally here, but I just yeah, I don't know, kind of pissed. I mean that already annoys me, and uh, you know it, it, they didn't play that. They didn't play bad at all. Like they've been you know pretty good. Uh, you know, you want to see these kids get as much NHL experience as possible. And in my opinion, they didn't play themselves out of that game. So uh, there's nothing really that in my eyes would be too concerned about in terms of, uh, you know, it being a permanent move because, you know, deservedly so. I really do think Jones has had, you know, a better season than Nemeth overall, you know, especially given the circumstances of what it means to have Nemeth play every night as as opposed to Jones. And I feel like Schneider is such a different beast and a different animal that uh, it's going to be tough to really knock him out of the lineup, given his you know physicality and um, what he can bring. Uh, just a different dynamic that the Rangers, you know, probably lack on that third pairing, especially if they do have a, of a Jones. But uh, Andy, I guess my first question, because now you got my gears turning, um, are they going to play Nemeth in order to possibly trade him? Like maybe it's one of those things where it's like, let's get him on the ice. Let's make him as much of an asset as possible. And hopefully he can be a piece that we can, you know, add on at the trade deadline or yeah, at the trade deadline uh, with one of our moves. Uh, that's actually a very good point, James, and something that I hadn't considered, which uh, yeah, good point by you. Maybe that's definitely possible. They might have to showcase him if they're going to get out from that contract. I well, I guess if he does play, we'll see how how sheltered he gets. If he gets a lot of his own starts, or or if who knows, maybe maybe the issues that have been plaguing him this season, um, you know, maybe he's feeling better and he will play better. Hopefully, but that's a good point because I there was some speculation that the Rangers might try to get out from that contract. Uh, and yeah, they might have to, I mean, not that he makes a crazy amount of money, but just in terms of getting out from that contract, because there's enough, it just clearly didn't go the way they wanted it to with the whole bring him in to insulate Nils thing. Um, also as, as it goes, reads today, it's funny. It's now it's kind of feeling like uh, Nils Lundqvist might be the odd man out of all the Rangers' young rookie defensemen right now, which is a good listen. I know we had spoken about this going into the season that when you have that many young promising defensemen, someone's going to be the odd man out, and it might not necessarily even be their fault or because they played poorly. It just might be the Rangers are looking for contributors now, and if you're even if you have a higher ceiling and you're not ready to contribute right away or factor in, that might put you on the outside. And if you have Nils has a lot of value. So, you know, you have to wonder if that now that the, he's being kept in the AHL, if they, they see Nemeth uh, and just based on his play that maybe they they're comfortable with Schneider and Jones watching them acquit themselves and thinking Jones will only get a little bit more stout next season. He's always going to be an undersized uh, defender, but he, him and Schneider are a good pairing, man. They've looked really, really good. So, if like to your point, James, maybe it's just your. It might be just a showcase. So, uh, that helps me feel a little bit better about it. So, I might, I might just back off the ledge here. Well, you know, that's what I'm here for. I'm the voice of reason, and uh, you know, I just, I don't really like when you get over emotional, Andy. And uh, I, know, I, you know, I do it too often. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, there's a couple things you know that I really wanted to talk about. Number one. 
you actually brought it up and it was actually a funny observation because it's true that the Rangers seem to struggle the better they play. Uh, it's kind of ironic, but you know, case in point, the Detroit Red Wings game, I thought the Rangers played a pretty good game. Like overall, I thought they brought a lot of pressure. They threw a lot of pucks on net. Um, they had a lot of scoring chances. They just, you know, failed to capitalize. And, you know, defensive wise, I thought they played all right. Fluky goal, like that first one that you said right off of Jones's leg. And, you know, they found themselves from behind. Another, you know, I don't know if that was on purpose. It kind of looked like it could have been on purpose, but the Detroit's second goal with Larkin kind of being perfect position for the ricochet off the, you know, the the backboards there. And, you know, he, he makes a perfect shot to beat Igor. You know, it was just two perfect goals, uh, you know, perfect opportunities for Detroit to capitalize upon that was, I guess, the difference maker in regulation that got them there because overall, you know, I, I thought the Rangers outplayed them. And, you know, the Rangers shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't, you know, be too disappointed in their their play. They should be a little bit disappointed that they weren't able to finish. And, you know, they left a valuable point on the table. But I really wanted uh, to hear your take on the Detroit game, Andy. Yeah, I think it's like you said. It was just one of those. The Rangers haven't had too many of them because, again, their play hasn't been... uh at the level I think it's been for at least the past two games where two games in a row since coming back from the break and the layoff, they're out shooting their opponents. Um, but again, they didn't get a lot of power plays in either game, but they obviously, they, uh, they capitalized uh, in the Detroit game. They only needed one in the, one of the best power plays and the league went to work and scored off of, and what, a move we've seen a lot. Igor makes the rush pass up the ice to Panarin. <laughs> who then gets it back to Fox and then uh, gets it to either Mika or Kreider for a goal. So, and Mika with an awesome one-timer. Um, it's all they needed. But in the first period, you just, how it just, it, that, all night, honestly, the ice was clearly terrible. So I don't know what's going on with the garden ice. Or, I agree. It's been, it was bad last game and it was even worse against Detroit. Um, I mean, how many guys, sorry to interrupt you, how many guys in the shootout were mishandling the puck? Like a lot just, of Fo- and guys who don't and guys who don't like Fox, you know, and I mean, obviously, this the, you have the whole thing with Strom where he's got a, a basically he has Grice dead to rights and he's got a wide open and he just it just literally comes off of his blade and starts squirting like curls to the left almost like a hit. Uh, the ice was horrible. You know, obviously, I want to strangle Strom in that moment for my television oh my set. God. But but again, the it was probably the ice. He because probably smart. He's like, instead of shanking this, I'm just going to try to go along the ice. And it literally just cuts left. It's amazing. So, you know, and he's he doesn't know what's going on. He's arguing with the referee for some reason. And the ref's like, you took the shot. What are you yelling at me for? Was um, he mad the goalie came out and, pl- and played? And played him a little bit, like I you know. Think, I think it's one of those things. You know, when you do something really embarrassing and you immediately try to save face by like just causing a stink. I think that's what happened, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, people, but you know, forget but, about the shot. But even in the like once they because in the first Detroit came out with better legs and they were all over the Rangers, but then they started turning the tides. But literally everything was hitting refs when they were trying to make breakouts or rim pucks or, or get pucks out. It was just you could just tell they were just getting. N- bad bounces all night and their their luck just seemed really off and the ice was bad and i just knew i'm like oh this is one of those games where the rangers are going to outplay detroit handily and i think for the most part they did and then just get really unlucky and that's what happened so i don't and you listen they still get a point out of it um 
as as upset as I was, I did have to take some reflection and say, you know what? I'm mad now when the Rangers only get a point, you know, <laughs> which is something they literally were incapable of doing. They used to not be like the past few seasons. They couldn't ever make it to overtime. And now they do it all the time or to the shootout even. And uh, I mean, that's just a testament to how much they've grown, at least defensively and just as a in terms of game management. So but it's good. It's good that as Rangers fans, we have high expectations for them. I mean, obviously, Keandre is on some special shit right now. He's yeah, I, I really want to talk about it. We should. Yeah, we'll let's say we'll save that him for his own uh, segment. He deserves it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was ha- again, it's two games in a row that I'm pretty happy with the way they played. Two games in a row, it goes to the shootout, which at the end of the day, the shootout is it's a skills competition. I don't know what what else you want to say. It's hard to be upset. Um, there, we talked. We've been speaking about this for the last few podcasts. It's highly unlikely that the Rangers will fall out of a playoff spot. Yes, they could fall the wild card, but I mean, it is what it is. They, they need to make the playoffs. If I don't care if they make it in first or a wild card at this point, I just want them to make the playoffs. It's, especially when you have some of the other teams in their division are absolute wagons between Pittsburgh and Carolina. Um, so you just do what you have to do. Just make the playoffs in one of those spots. So, and they continue to get points. So they have three out of four points in their last two games, and now they're going to play Ottawa. We'll definitely see um, tomorrow how they how they respond and obviously when you're listening to this on monday morning you'll know how they played but uh, yeah i mean i wasn't too upset i was obviously more upset just because it seemed like they weren't getting any calls and the refs swallowed their whistles for whatever reason and, and called a bunch of dumb soft penalties on the rangers and just usual fan stuff so i was i was happy overall with how they played and but to get back to the the point you made james it is funny that this team seems to like it's almost like they struggle when they play well but when they play, <laughs> they just get t- opportunistic. It's almost like they have so much experience getting opportunistic goals and, and just kind of dogging it for most of the game that they're comfortable doing it. And when they have to actually apply pressure, like they get scored on first. But I mean, you could even hear on um, in the in the prior game um, that uh, I, I don't even know if it was a Rangers broadcast. Um, that uh, I forget which broadcast it was, but basically they said the Rangers are the number one comeback team in the league this year. And the, with I'm sorry, Jack Jack Edwards in the Bruins game said the Rangers are the best comeback team in the league this year. And I didn't know that, but I know that now. Uh, I'm assuming he's that's truthful. But that the Rangers have come back from the most uh, being down a goal, you know, deficit or two goals, just being down at any point in the game to come back and win. They've done it the most times of any team this season. So yeah, say what you will, but they don't, they don't give up. And honestly, if they have, it's kind of like a, now seems to be almost like a learning to crawl before they can walk thing. So, but I'm, it's just nice to know that they have it in them to outshoot teams and to play better than the other team. Because for a while there, I was like, are these guys just lazy? Do they not want enough? But you know, there's always going to be things like score effects. So obviously when they surrender the first goal, then they have to claw their way back into it and actually you know, give a shit. And then when they do that, lo and behold, they play better than the other team. So at least we know they can do it. So, um, and obviously Lafreniere has had two pretty solid games in a row. He's absolutely robbed. Of, and to talk about their luck, he's got how many posts did the Rangers hit? Uh, Lafreniere had hit a, 
like one or two posts. And then he literally had the goalie again, dead to rights. And Adam Fox gets like cross checked in the back and falls down and literally takes away, saves the puck from going in the net that Lafreniere just puts along the ice because he makes an awesome move. And it was just, it was not the Rangers night, but that happens. It's hockey, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to talk about. Um, Lafreniere, I guess let's talk about Lafreniere first. And then I do want to talk about Miller too. Uh, and then I want to talk a little bit about Gallant, uh, Andy. Uh, and all right, so Lafreniere first. To me, that game against Detroit was one of the better games I've seen him play in a New York Rangers uniform. Uh, I just felt like he was a little bit more confident with the puck. He was, you know, making correct decisions. He was keeping it a little bit more simple. He wasn't getting knocked off the puck as much. And you just saw that he, like, he was involved. He was engaged in the play. He you know, was working with his line mates. He wasn't just that, you know, third wheel on that first line. I thought he played, you know, really well and, and he drove play. And that's what I, that's what I want from him. Like, this is what I need from Lafreniere. He needs to be the guy that can also drive play and dominate on any given night. And, you know, if we see more of this from Lafreniere, it'll certainly do wonders for the New York Rangers in terms of balance and just a, a secondary threat, another playmaker where, you know, I, I feel like, you know, at this point he gets a, he gets a decent amount of shots. Um, he's got a pretty good shot from, you know, at the NHL level and, you know, but I, I really do feel like he's a playmaker first and, you know, I, I don't know if it's because he's intimidated and feels like he needs to be a pass first type of guy, but, you know, right now when he's feeling himself, he does make some really nifty passes and really puts people almost surprises them, uh, his ability to be able to put the, you know, the puck on their stick. And, you know, this is something that has been so rare, I feel like, but Andy, are we starting to maybe see the Lafreniere like we saw last year towards the end of the season where there's just something in him that kind of clicks a little bit because he has been playing better as of late. Yeah, I definitely hope so. I mean, you could say that probably the two weeks did him good. Um, I, in the I D- agree. D- in the Detroit game, I think what I saw him win a bunch of foot races, which has always been the knock on him, is his foot speed and just keeping his legs moving. And also, I saw him enter the zone with the puck more than I've probably seen him in the last two years. And again, in junior, you saw him enter the puck with speed enter along the left boards and then hit the trailer trailing defenseman like you alluded to with a no look pass like tape to tape a lot and his teammates knew to expect it but but because we haven't seen that like you said he almost ends up surprising the trailer a lot of the times because they just don't think he's going to get it through but he just knows how to like Panarin or Fox he can look off passes and hit guys with great he's got great vision and he's a great passer it's just we haven't seen it enough he hasn't put himself in that position so you have to imagine the more and more he does that um, he will, yeah, the points and the production will follow it, but it was good to see it. At one point, um, Gallant takes him off, uh, the line with Kreider and Mika and puts him with Heedle and, uh, uh, Goat again, or was it Hunt was on that line too? I, I forget, yeah. but, but it doesn't matter. Heedle and Laugh, Laugh actually have shown to have some good chemistry, um, you know, Gautier has rocks for brains. I'm yes, he has a, he had, brings a lot to the table, but the guy can't finish to save his life. I think uh, Jay Fresh on Twitter put up the the lowest goals scored, you know, relative to uh, goal scored GSAA, which is goal scored, you know, above or below expectation. 
And obviously, Kreider is one of the highest in the league. And Julian Gauthier is legitimately dead last <laughs> in terms of how many high danger chances he gets and the, how few he converts on. You know, so, um, you know, I don't know what you say about that, but maybe he's just super unlucky. And maybe next season he'll be he'll have a Michael Grabner esque random season of like 30 goals, you know, but. um but no, I mean, bringing it back to to laugh, he was he's looked good, and maybe it's playing against Raymond, who is one of the Calder favorites, um, and was taken in the same draft, and that's clearly, obviously, playing a huge role and being very productive for Detroit. That kind of lit a fire under his ass. I don't know, but he needs more of that. He needs to keep that fire stoked. You know what I mean? To show people that you are good, and if even if it takes him longer, he just needs to keep it going because. Again, we're starting to finally see more flashes of that vision. And I think he's I think it's clicking for him how being how he can be aggressive without losing the puck and the type of uh, aggressiveness with the puck that gives him more time and space, like using his speed or entering the zone with speed and looking guys off because, you know, sometimes got talented kids get the puck, but they get them in compromising positions where the opposing team and defenders are already kind of bearing down on them and then they kind of panic whereas now he realizes like oh getting the puck early in the neutral zone or put making myself more available in the neutral zone and then get, at least gives me options to to whatever to keep hold on to possession so and he's always smart enough to make good plays in terms of rimming it back to the the point or defenseman or partners or whatever or little touch passes and we've seen his hand-eye coordination is excellent so yeah i just think as time goes on uh he should put more and more things together and hopefully it just, he ends up having a, it, it's not going to be fast, but it'll probably be a gradual, but uh, you know, slow breakout into becoming one of the better complete players on this team. Oops fans. The latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA is too good to pass up. I'm talking about between the legs, 360 windmill. Good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday, as everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void were prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline. 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. You want more, right? You always want more. And it's just great that you actually kind of see it. Uh, I think this break was probably, and we said this before the break too, that the break was going to do wonders for, especially the younger kids on this team that just need, you know, a little pause in the season, a chance to kind of heal up, regroup, uh, not used to the grind of a full, you know, 82 NHL game schedule. Um, You know, another one of those players, I think the break did wonders for Andy was Keandre Miller. I mean, 
I I was at the game against the Kraken where he scored a beautiful, perfect shot, you know, and, and just beat the goalie uh, that was screened. And then, uh, you know, gets a really nice, you know, wraparound goal, a huge goal for the New York Rangers. Uh, you know, he's just un- unbelievable in the shootout with a with honestly unexpected hands. I, I don't know if this was something that you kind of knew he had in his arsenal, but I, I knew he had decent hands, but some of the, you know, things that he's been able to do on the ice has been super impressive. Um, so I, you know, I want to hear your thoughts on Keandre. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm stoked for him. Um, as we know, Keandre was a forward not too long ago. Um, and only he made the the transition to defense late uh, in his, I guess, relatively in his young hockey career. So yeah, he has a, you, you can see he does exhibit, uh, exhibit, Jesus. He does exhibit, uh, a lot of the traits that you would have forward would possess, like, you know, like he said, he doesn't have silky smooth. I wouldn't say his hands are silky smooth, but he's got good hands. And you could see, I mean, on that wraparound, the, the two things you have to say gets it done about him is one or three things I'll say is that one, he has, uh, he's a very fluid skater, which helped him. So he's able to cover a lot of ground quickly and also, he do, it doesn't look like he's skating very fast, but he moves very fast. Um, and we, we, you know, we we all remember that that goal against uh, the Florida Panthers, where he just keeps yep. his legs churning and he just keeps getting faster and faster and faster, and then he's flying. You know, and to, it's one thing to see a, a little guy fly on the ice, but to see someone who's as tall as him and have his wingspan just literally just burning up the ice is crazy. Um, you know, and then obviously he's got the the wingspan between he's got a tall stick and he's got you know, long arm. So he's got the reach, but he makes a little, that little fake, you know, he makes it looks like he's going to pop it short side. He does the little pump fake and then he gets Grice to go get to his knees. And then he just, you know, goes into Mohawk and wraps around as the Frolov goes around the net, tucks it in and for a goal. And you could just tell he's just feeling more confident offensively. He's carrying the puck up the ice more. Now you've, you've seen him enter the zone more and take more chances. And, you know, again, I said before, you have to kind of crawl, learn to crawl before you can walk. So it's awesome to see. And, it, you know, I think the funny thing is that if you, most people, I guess most fans and also even most maybe hockey executives who are a little bit more old school, they'd be like, yeah, Truba's the, the bruiser, the stay at home bruiser. And Keandre is the, is the young breakout guy with the, with the skating. But the metrics are almost the opposite. The metrics are the show that, um, Truba is a guy that when he's on the ice, the Rangers take a lot of shots, but he also maybe uh, he concedes like in terms of like with and without you stats with Keandre that the Rangers maybe concede uh, a little bit more defensively when he's on the ice, whereas Keandre is almost the opposite where he doesn't really does. It seems like when he, at least to date when he's on the ice, they don't really generate a lot of shots, but he himself is so good about, uh, you know, preventing shots against and also regaining possession with his, you know, breakup plays and in the zone in the neutral zone and their own end so that's why they're a a good pairing for one another they bounce each other out and now we see that true uh keandre is just becoming a much more confident and better balanced defender and that's obviously a good thing for the rangers because you can only imagine just that this whole group is going to get better because they're all i mean literally they you know fox what just turned 24 Lindgren turned 24. I think Fox is just going to just turn 24 just, as his well. Birthday was, uh, he, his birthday was on ago, Thursday, right? the night of the game. Yeah, so Lindgren and Fox are 24, right? 
or is Lindgren 25? I, I, no, Lindgren's 24. Fox is 24. Schneider's what, 20? No, I can't even drink yet. Keandre's 21, 22. Like, he that, just turned 22. Well, Schneider's 20. Um, so, yeah. That's literally four of their defensemen are under the age of 24 years old. And defensemen, as we know, they come into their own a little bit later because it's a little bit more of a, a, a stouter and cerebral position. So, all these, they're all going to get better, which is this insane thing to think about. You know, so the Rangers are in a good spot. And hell, Zach, you know, Zach Jones, same, same thing. I believe Zach Jones is 21. Um, he's got room for improvement. He's going to get better. We're already seeing more out of him, too, in terms of his willingness to, to just, you know, use his, uh, his shiftiness and his edge work and his vision to make, like, he makes quick passes. He almost, it's funny, he's like a little water bug on the ice. Um, and it's funny, it's, it's weird because he, he skates kind of weird because he, he looks, it's not like a traditional, he just kind of looks like, how do I say this? Uh, I feel like Zach Jones skates like Fat Albert runs, if that makes any sense. You know what I'm talking about? Like his he, yeah. his body his body's upright, but his like legs are going in like 80 different directions. But he's his back is always straight, so it looks like he's kind of like a little like hovering on the ice. It's very weird, but it's also very pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just uh, he looks like a little water bug out there, and he's getting more more incompetent. And he's actually holds his own in his own end. So again, bringing him back full circle. I hope they continue to have show confidence in the Schneider and Jones pair because they're so far, it's only been a short sample size, but uh, their, uh, their on ice results together are, you know, astounding for the Rangers right now. They're, they seem to be a match made in heaven. I agree. And this is, uh, I guess another good segue into kind of, you know, I don't want to knock a lot, you know, obviously if you took the whole sample size of the entire season, he's done a tremendous job. Um, he's gotten a lot out of, you know, key players and, you know, he's, you know, been just a perfect coach that, you know, someone that we certainly needed this year, um, you know, and, and just a, a much better coach than David Quinn. The the one question I had for you, Andy, with uh, Gallant is that I, I question some of his decision making and I want to see if you can kind of walk me through any sort of rationale. I thought Lafreniere obviously played one of his better games as a New York Ranger. He was like MIA in overtime. Um, Keandre Miller scores a huge goal in the shootout. He doesn't even go top eight in, 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 in the shootout. I mean, I can understand you want, you know, the Panarins to go, the Foxes to go, you know, Mika to go, you know, but really, honestly, like Strom can't even hit the net. He's had some of the worst shootout moves I've seen in the NHL. And, you know, Miller scores a huge goal. He got a goal that night. You know, he's obviously feeling himself. His hands are all there. You're telling me Miller doesn't belong in that shootout in the top five? I mean, I, I just feel like that's a little ridiculous. I mean, you know, it becomes a time where it's like he might not be your best shootout guy percentage wise. But if you feel, you know, if you see a guy feeling himself, you, you obviously got to use him. And, you know, there was a, just a couple other ones where he had at one point he had Rooney, Heedle, and you know, out there as a pairing in overtime. And it's like Rooney and he, <clears throat> excuse me, he threw Fox out there with, with those two, but it's like Rooney and Heedle. Are you kidding me? Like, what are you trying to do? Like, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Andy, the, the weird, there were weird decisions being made in that Detroit game. And I just thought maybe if you can give me, you know, shed some light on maybe his rationale. Well, I don't know. If or I you can, can tell me I'm right. <laughs> 
Or no, you can tell I, me I'm right. You know, I think you're right. And I, I, it goes to say that I think the only solace you can take is that I think every team in the league at maybe barring like the two teams that are fighting it out for the president's trophy uh, have complaints about their, the decision-making of their coach um, during the Bruin game, uh, the, the game versus the Bruins. I was on, you know, just on social media, you just kind of check the fan base, the, the pulse of both fan bases, right? Your own team. And then also the opposing team. And, it's just funny to see, you know, the Bruins literally are one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. They give up very little. They're so good at playing a full team game and full team defense and clogging the slot and keeping teams to the outside. And, you know, listen, they're in a playoff spot. Despite they've had a lot of issues in terms of who is going to be their goaltender before they solidified Swayman and, uh, uh, you know, the other kid, what it's his face. And then obviously, you know, they've had, Marshan they're missing now because of his uh um you know his antics on Jari and then Bergeron's hurt. So they've had it's been a rough go for them this season, but they're still in a playoff spot because they're so well coached by Bruce Cassidy and then literally they're like, you know, they lose in a shootout to the Rangers and their fan base is like questioning like why did this guy get so much ice time and why is you know Bruce you know you know brilliant Bruce using this guy in the shootout you, you know and it just goes to show all right like perspective wise fans of every team have some you know they they don't understand their coaches decisions half the time it is what it is every coach has their Achilles heel you know I will say I guess to try to be fair you say you know what Gallant yes he does he is a guy who is over reliant on his role players and he's a little too fond of them for my liking. But that being said, I do see the value in why he, his approach in wanting this team to not feel like um, no matter who's out there, he wants them all to feel a little bit more, I guess in, in they, he never wants his team to feel out of their depth. So if you get, if you're the fourth line and, and the fourth line was so good for the Rangers against the Bruins, it kind of honestly at times kept them in that game, you know, but um and, you know, established good possession against, like, the Pasternak line. And, you know, obviously they were missing Bertrand and Marshawn, but Taylor Hall's still on that team, and they still have some talented forwards. Um, so I think it's that's his strength, is that, every, you know, he, his lower lines can... He wants to think any line can play against any line. So that doesn't always work in practice, but... Not on a three-on-three. Three. Not on a three-on-three, three, I agree. I do think... I think that's where that mentality gets... It obviously can can hurt you, but obviously, in the terms of the flow of a, a right, like just a game and regulation, obviously we've the Rangers have already seen the fruits of that value. But again, like anything anything else, if you you make decisions, then you have to live and die with them. So yeah, I mean, I I thought it was baffling Lafreniere got so little time in three on three, and that you know you're seeing Kevin Rooney take a three on three shift when literally Rooney, you know, whatever he's been a good fourth line presence this season relatively i guess but you know kid can't put a puck in the ocean and lafreniere who's going all game doesn't get to see it you know so yeah it was a that that was the wrong decision in my estimation but i don't know i don't know what goes into his head with these decisions i don't just who knows he maybe he sees something he's like oh i see Ro- yeah, rooney's see- i mean rooney did have his skating legs that game i did see him flying up and down the ice but again in, in true kevin rooney fashion he flies up and down the ice but not much else happens you know so 
I, right. You know, it just I, seems again, like I can't really explain it. Yeah, and you know, and then I do want you to you know give your two cents on the on not putting you know Miller in the shootout because if you're gonna tell me that you put out you know Rooney because of a gut feeling, well, and then you you know won't put Miller in because of uh you know statistics. It's like this is the problem with analytics and you know the gut. Like you got to be at least you know, number one consistent with it, and number two your gut needs to be better. Like, you know, I don't care what Keandre Miller's statistics. I don't care if he was two for 20 in the shootout prior. You know, he had a big shootout goal the last game. He was feeling himself. He had a big goal that game. And it's not like you had to put him as a top three shooter. I'm just saying, like, uh, how many shooters did we go? It went to the 12th round. I mean, Philip Heedle, Ryan Strome. You know, I would argue Lafreniere was is an okay choice. Adam Fox, Panarin, Mika. I mean, honestly, the fact that they put Strom and Heedle ahead of Miller in terms of a shootout is is criminal. Like it really was. It, I felt like it almost stole the win from us because there was. I felt like there wasn't a more confident person. I'd I'd be more comfortable throwing out there than Keandre Miller. I just he's he's been that good and that confident in himself. And did you see not see his celebration? He's, it, his like air punch is turning into like the Panarin kick. It's like the little opposite thing. They got the kick and the punch. So, you know, I'm frustrated, yeah, Andy, yeah. obviously, as you no, can tell. Yeah, it, yeah, it's again, and I uh, trying to take stock and be take a step back. It's great that you and I get frustrated about leaving, you know, a point on the table in the shootout because we expect this team to win. So. In that sense, True. yes, it's good. It's good position to be in. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I don't know if it's if it, you know. I I can speculate. Who knows? Maybe it's like Miller's feeling good about his game right now. You put him out there and he fails to score in the shootout. Then maybe it hurts his confidence. I don't know what type of decision or what's going through Gallant's mind, keeping him hungry. I don't know. Just showing, leaning on the vets to give the kids something to aspire to. I have no. I have no idea. What the decision I mean, I don't does. know how early they have to. Does it go round by round in the shootout after the top three? Because I know you have to give your first three up front, right? Yeah, it's your first three up front. And then obviously, you know, well, basically, obviously the first three shooters, it's uh, it's not over until it's best of three in the first three. And then depending on after that, it's if I guess the home team gets to choose what if they go second, if they score, they win, obviously. If the other team scores, they have a chance to 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 keep themselves alive. You know what I mean? If they choose to go second, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like you know Adam Fox came down and mishandled the puck. It's not going to get any worse than that unless Keandre goes and just slides on his face into the goalie. Like, and that you know that's not going to happen. So I don't know. Um, you know, I might be beating a dead horse with this one, but it's just seeing Ryan Stroman. He'll go before Miller. Just really. Really irks me, uh, especially the way he was playing and how well he did in the shootout. Um, in terms of New York Rangers talk, do you have anything else, Andy? No, you know, not really. Um, yeah, I, I do want to say I'm sorry we couldn't do this after uh, the game versus the Senators. It's my wife's birthday tomorrow. So um, it's all, you know, tomorrow is her day and I'm not going to be a, a jerk off and take you know try to record a podcast on her birthday so uh but yeah i mean as terms ottawa is going to be a big test for them because they're yet another team that although on paper 
is not the greatest team, they still are scrappy. And if you remember those games with them early in the season, the Rangers played like absolute dog shit. And then yet they had a, a miraculous comeback in the third period. Right. So um, it'll be interesting to see if Igor gets to start again. You know what I mean? Um, you do have to figure out soon they're going to have to their schedule gets only more compact from here. So it'll be interesting to see if Georgiev plays or if they feel like it's a beatable opponent and they, get, they need to rest Igor, especially because, you know, he's got how many times has Igor gotten crashed into in the last four games? Right. Yeah. Between the it's just, you know, I mean, uh, obviously the the right now teams know that he is one of the he is probably the best goaltender in the league. So. The, what does it say on the on the whiteboard? It says, you know, get in his kitchen, cause havoc in front of the net, and get shots to the net. So obviously that means there's more of a chance for guys to fall on him or get cross-checked into him by Ryan Lindegren, as is waiting to happen all the time. So yeah, I mean, they're getting in his kitchen and there's gonna it's definitely gonna be a, a grind, more of a grind for Igor from the from in the second part of the season. So obviously you're gonna have to be smart about when they deploy Georgiev. Uh and I mean, saying that it means how much longer he'll be on this team. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he's if he starts again. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a test for for the Rangers because, like I said, I like how they're playing five on five for once now. So let's see if they can start the goals can start coming, so they can feel good about their five on five play, a little positive reinforcement, and so they don't resort back to like just letting the other team run all over them and then just trying to pot opportunistic goals in the power play when the other other team gets a little too over. Uh, aggressive and takes a penalty you know no, no i absolutely agree with you and uh to comment on you know if i'm if i'm galant i probably play georgie on the 20th or which is tomorrow sunday against uh the ottawa senators and then i'd gear up you know shesterkin to play the next two against the capitals and the penguins because you're going to need your best goalie in net for those two games and i just feel like at that point to not play georgie in a game in almost a month is is a little ridiculous and you know it, to expect him to go out there and, and play a game let's just say he gets a game against the capitals right or pittsburgh you know now now you haven't really played him in like three weeks so i, I that's not fair to him and uh i would give him the game against ottawa then you can have Shesty for uh the capitals and pittsburgh on what is that a thursday saturday and then you have a game uh, next Sunday again uh, against the Vancouver Canucks at home, where I think that would be a good game for Georgie to start too. So, um, you know, that's how I would kind of balance things out. But you know, let's see what Gallant has. He'll probably throw uh, Strom in net, you know, at this point because uh, he loves the guy so much. Uh, Andy, the one last thing I have for you, uh, I do want to get your thoughts on on the Olympics. Uh, obviously, the men's and women's have both ended uh, a little bit disappointing on both ends. Um, so I wanted to get your two cents in about the, you know, the Olympics. Yeah, you know, honestly, with the men's, I could I said this before. I could say it again, I wasn't really too interested. Um, I said the same exact thing. Uh, obviously, it hurts uh, losing to Canada for for the uh, in the women's game. But uh, again, I mean, it was a, a total triumph. I, I saw a statistic that it was like the amount of people that watched it even though it was like aired at a weird like it aired kind of late right um it was one of the most like i think it was like one of the most watched hockey games on nbc in like three years or something and that just shows that that rivalry like a the that person that wrote that article about like 
women's hockey shouldn't be in the Olympics because they're it's like Canada and the US are too dominant are idiots. Yeah, no shit. It's like I would rather watch the like a Battle of Alberta game. If you said you could watch, you know, it's like you could either watch uh, a collection of the the five worst teams in the league play each other, you know, each team, you know, let's say, yeah, the five worst teams in the, in the league play each other uh, over the course of a week, you know, they each play a couple times a week or just watch literally uh, Edmonton and Calgary play every night, Monday through Friday. I would watch that because <laughs> I want to watch, I want the rivalry, like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to see the bad blood. I want to see the skill on the who's the best. Like, you know, like uh, just such a dumb take. So yeah, it obviously hurts. Um, you know, but yeah, as far, so that's you know that stinks. But again, it, it's good. I think it's good because especially with uh, the U.S. winning last time, um, and now Canada just the bragging rights because now obviously you know that uh, the U.S. next time these teams meet in international competition, the U.S. is going to be hungry. And, you know, it's cyclical because obviously the U.S. lost a lot of their uh, a lot of their players who had helped them medal in the last Olympics. And now and Canada has such a strong group right now. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Marie-Philippe Poulin is still playing. But the next time uh, these teams meet in, in, you know, another four years. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's yeah, it's it hurts to lose as, as an American. But at the same time. It's like, you know what, now you're going to have a even, you know, it's going to be a fired up U.S. squad, hopefully next time these two teams meet. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. You always want to win, though. You always want to beat Canada. It's just, you know, one of those things where it's just, uh, you know, frustrating. And, you know, not that I cared about the the men's at all, but for the men's, I just felt like they did so well and they kind of built up a little hope in me that like they would maybe medal and that would be like a pretty cool achievement. But for them to just kind of fall flat on their face, like, and, and have it ended the way that it ended is just, that was even English right there. You know, it just, it, it really, really annoyed me. And then the cherry on top was the women's obviously falling to Canada. So I have a, I have a bad taste in my mouth with the Olympics and, you know, certainly, you know, the next time they roll around in four years, it'll be, you know, pretty interesting to see, you know, what, number one, what happens in the men's if it's, you know, still kind of amateurs or if they allow NHL players. And number two, just to see what um, the U.S. squad, you know, looks like uh, for the women's team, because, you know, it's funny, they lose the one game against, you know, Canada and there's articles written, you know, does there need to be a shakeup in USA hockey, like in women's USA hockey as they, you know, fall short from gold medal? It's like, yeah, if those two teams played each other 10 times, it would be five and five, probably like probably yeah. like you're are you really going to knock like the development of some of the US players? Like, I I mean, I don't really follow, you know, individual women and and and, and see how, you know, far they've developed since they you know first started out in the in the u.s development program but i i have a hard time believing that that squad was full of a bunch of players that you know fell short of expectations you know they played a very good canada team and they lost a close game it's not like they got blown out eight nothing it's just it is what it is it was bad timing you know i don't know you had a canadian team that was feeling themselves so um yeah, yeah you know it's oh, just you know, it is what it is not, sorry, 
Yeah, not to cut you off, but I, you know what? I do want to say that I'm really happy for uh, Slovakia meddling for the first time uh, ever in the Winter Olympics. And it's a big deal, man. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about this before. We had brought up the discourse that some of our friends were like, well, why do some of these nations that can barely compete? Because then when, like, you know, they, Slovakia eliminates Canada in the shootout, basically knocking them out of the tournament. And then, yeah, they they obviously they they lose, so they make it only to the the um, you know the bronze medal game. But then they beat Sweden, a hockey powerhouse, in in the medal game. You know, and they win their first bronze ever. They medal for the first time in the country's history. And you know, Miroslav uh, Satan, uh, former NHLer, has been just tweeting out all these videos of reactions around the country. And it's like a bunch of little kids at like, you know, at practice, a bunch of like seven, seven, eight year old just screaming and going crazy. And it's a huge deal, you know, for them. So yeah, congratulations to Slovakia. Really happy for them. Uh, good. And that's good for the development of, of Slovak hockey, honestly. So yeah, basically they're, they're, they're my feel good Olympic uh, story right now of the whole tournament. And when's uh, the men's gold gold medal game? Uh, so Finland plays those, the, um, excuse I almost said Russia. It's, it's not, it's the ROC, which is what the Russian Olympic Olympic committee committee. Um, when is that game? I don't even know. I should probably look that up. I put 10 bucks on, on, uh, on the Russian team to win the whole, the whole thing. Gold medal. Well, they won uh, last time, right? Um, yeah, I didn't want them to win. I don't know if you listened to the last podcast, but I didn't want Russia to win. That was either Sweden for Hank or Finland for Kako. And, uh, you know, obviously. And then I bet against my emotions. So I bet the Russian team. So this way I can't be disappointed without making a little money. It's a little pro tip there for you, for all oh, you there, gamblers out there. There, there you go. Um, no, I, yeah, I'm not sure when the game is and my... For whatever reason, my browser's not looking for it, but I'm still connected to you. That's weird. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I yeah, I would like to see Finland win. I think that'd be a cool story. Um, so yeah, hopefully the Finns take it. I guess. But like I said, other than that, now that the the women's medal game is over, and uh, I have my feel good m- moment with this, you know, with Slovakia. I'm, honestly, I'm I'm kind of checked out. I might watch it, but I might not. We'll see. All right. Anything else you want to uh, final words, Andy, for the podcast? Uh, yeah, I want to say happy birthday to my lovely wife. Um, and yeah, thanks for always being so supportive when I take the time out to lock myself in a room and, you know, for hours on end and just record and edit these uh, podcasts. She's always super supportive of the podcast and I love her very much and she's the best. So Sadie, a happy birthday and I love you. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs>